You're listening to Grow Yourself Up, a weekly mental health podcast hosted by Kath Cunahan. I'm a psychotherapist, writer, and speaker working in private practice in London. I specialize in the impact of our own childhood on our parenting and how we can heal and integrate our childhood trauma, wounding, and stress so that we can inhabit our full adult selves. Join us each week as we talk about all things growing ourselves up, how we can tend to ourselves in our parenting, generational healing, and overcoming the impacts of childhood trauma. Together, we will become more self-compassionate, connected, authentic, resilient, and heart-centered, so we can live our own full and beautiful lives. As a listener of this podcast, you're welcome to come over and join the Facebook group. So search on Facebook for Grow Yourself Up. It's a private Facebook group of all the listeners. And did you know there are journal prompts that go along with every episode? So sign up for the journal prompts on kathcunahan.com or go to my Instagram, kathcunahan, and sign up at the link in the bio there. And you will get my newsletter, Nurture, Heal, Grow, which contains all the journal prompts. Looking forward to seeing you in the Facebook group. The podcast is produced each week by the wonderful Audio Cafe. Thanks for being here. Welcome back to Grow Yourself Up. It's episode 15 today. And today I want to share with you, um, I guess a resourcing episode because I'm really conscious that I'm throwing a lot of information, um, at you. And in order to kind of assimilate it and let it settle down in your own system, uh, it's important that we kind of do that in a gentle way. So I want to model that in the way that I um, deliver information to you. So to kind of bring in a pause and encourage you to tend to yourself as you kind of listen to all of this. Do you remember? Um, so last week we started off with a trauma psychoeducation series and I shared a quote from Peter Levine about um, trauma is not what happens to us, but what we hold inside of us in the absence of an empathic witness. And I want to talk actually about being our own empathic witness, because as we um, grow older, um, sometimes we're not um, surrounded by people all the time. We may have a therapist and good friends and a partner perhaps, or whatever the constellation of people in your life is. But it's also really important to develop into our own empathic witness so that we can honor and acknowledge and process our own experiences. I think that's really a key part of growing ourselves up. And there's many different aspects of that, but really noticing and tending to your own experience and extending self-compassion is a big part of that. Many of us, when we start on a, on a kind of a trauma healing journey or we discover how perhaps our childhood impacted us, we I certainly know that I've done this and I have clients who want to do this to kind of rush through things and like heal as soon as possible as if there is a concept of being healed and to kind of sort of acquire as much information as possible and um, do as many different things as possible to kind of reduce the impact of living with the trauma. And of course that makes sense because we want to remove the pain. It's difficult to be living in pain or having experiences in our life repeated because we haven't broken some of our patterns yet. And 
that's not actually how trauma healing works. We, in order for changes to be, um, like long lived and to be sustainable and to, um, bed down in our system, as it were, we need to do them slowly. There isn't a quick fix. I mean, I really wish there was personally as well. Um, but, but there isn't. It's about kind of deep, slow, profound change. And I think it's helpful here. Um, I want to introduce you to a concept from somatic experiencing, which is the trauma healing, um, modality that, um, uh, Peter Levine, um, established. And the concept of titration is, is the idea that we can dip in and out of something and we do it in small increments. We don't kind of bury our head in something for a long time until it gets too much for us. Instead, we do small amounts of um, processing or experiencing bodily sensations or um, addressing some issues that are going on. We do it in small ways because that makes it manageable for us. If you imagine like an eating analogy, we don't take like the biggest bite of the cake when we're doing um, titration specific from SE. So it's about um, when we're starting to tolerate things in our body and understand um, what, what stress responses may need to be completed. But we are taking small bites because small bites are more manageable and we don't want to re-traumatize ourselves. So for many of us, we are used to being um, in like fast motion all the time in the on position. And um, Levine has also characterized trauma as too much, too fast, too soon. So uh, often we approach everything actually in our lives. I know I've certainly done this um, and particularly healing with that kind of energy. Like I'm going to throw everything at it now and I'm going to kind of um, immerse myself totally in it. And then it's all going to be better, um, which kind of feeds into that whole boom, bust, burnout cycle thing as well. But you can imagine, well, not you can imagine, you um, you can conceptualize of titration as the exact opposite of that. So we're going to um, have enough capacity, so enough resource within ourselves to take a small bite of something and process that and notice the impact on that, sorry, the impact on us. And then um, we're going to go back and get more resource. Um, and then we're going to go back and um, have another small bite. So when I'm talking about resourcing, that's about having enough capacity in your body to um, um, kind of do more processing. And in many of the, so resourcing is something specific to, there's a term resourcing in somatic experiencing, but most of the trauma modalities um, have um, kind of suggested exercises or ways that you um, either cultivate a safe place or you um, have imagery that grounds you um, so that you can resource yourself to um, contemplate um, difficult experiences that you're trying to process. And this is what I really want to bring to your awareness so that you can do this for yourself in your own life, in the way that you um, contemplate issues that you might be facing, even in the way that you listen to this podcast. So um, you may sit down and listen to all the episodes in one go and some of it might be very triggering for you or painful or prompt you to think about things that you've forgotten about or trigger some somatic memories for you. So be very mindful about how you, um, like what material you're engaging with. 
so that you can keep yourself, you know, within your own window of um, tolerance or window of presence so that you can kind of manage to um, take this material on board and actually use it in a useful way for yourself. This concept of titration and, and dipping in and out of something is really actually how we build resilience. It's how we build more capacity and it's how we widen our window of tolerance. You can hear probably similarities from um, what I've shared about from the nervous system right from the beginning that we do things in small, small shifts and that's what makes it last. And here I want to talk about about joy because doing the things that we love increases our ability to hold what we find hard. So if you, if you imagine, um, scales, like old fashioned weighing scales, when you dip down on the one side, so when you cultivate more joy, it means you can actually hold more sadness. And when you allow yourself your sadness, you have more capacity for joy. There's a famous, um, thing that Brene Brown said. I don't have it in front of me, but she said, you can't selectively numb emotions. I can't remember what the rest of the kind of sentence was, but that's really true. And so as you go on your own journey, you'll notice that the more you let your joy in, the more capacity you'll actually have to plumb the depths of your own sadness and your own grief. And so I think it's really important to cultivate more joy and more play um, in our adult lives particularly when we're on our own um, healing journey or we attend therapy or we're doing work on ourselves because we don't increase our ability to sit with the hard stuff by constantly immersing ourselves in the hard stuff. We, we need breaks from doing that. And actually, if we immerse ourselves constantly in the hard stuff, we become more brittle and more um, inflexible and more stressed, actually. So we have to sort of actively cultivate the life we we want to live and I really want you to start thinking about what is the life you want to live? How do you spend your time? How do you want to be spending your time? Is the way you spend your time the way you want to be living your life? I'm really pondering a lot of these questions at the moment because I am, am thinking about the, this practice of cultivating joy and how to actually do it in a kind of a realistic way because um, it sounds kind of incomprehensible sometimes. I've had multiple experiences of, of learning um, how beneficial it can be. So in my kind of 20s, I spent a lot of time shopping and I was born in a city. I would describe myself as a city girl and I never knew how what a great resource nature was for me because I spent all my time um, shopping and socializing and sort of, I don't know, doing things I thought were glamorous. And um I've really learned that nature is profoundly calming. I need it. I need it to keep me in a, in a, in a place of relative calm. And it's, it sparks so much joy. So for me, going for a beautiful walk, um, there's a nature reserve I discovered near us. Um, that is profoundly joyful for me. It can be very difficult to focus on things that are just cultivating joy. If we have messages in our head around needing to be productive, needing to optimize time, um, only kind of doing things where we can get like 10 out of 10 because play and joy are, are really about being present and in like maximizing that time in the moment to, to really connect to ourselves and those around us and, and the world or nature. But you don't come out with a certificate that says you got 10 out of 10 or you were a really good joy cultivator. You know, it's not, it doesn't work like that. 
And so for many of us, I think it, it, it requires practice to even allow this sort of thing to develop in our lives because, you know, when you were assessed, I've shared a bit about this in the, um, I think it's episode 12, when you were assessed, um, in your family about, are you clever? Are you achieving? Are you producing? Then doing something with your own time where you are not being clever or producing or optimizing can be incredibly hard. It can almost feel worthless. Um, and so I suggest with this as well that you adopt the concept of titration. So don't sort of book yourself like a whole day of cultivating joy when you, when, when you don't even know what that looks like. Do it in small chunks. Experiment with things. Notice, oh, um, I might quite like to do a sailing course or I like, I don't know, stand up paddleboard. I don't think I'd like that, but, um, so ping pong is something that I really love, you know, that like table tennis game. And I would love to have a ping pong table. Um, cause I find that very joyful. I get quite competitive, but it's really fun. I just find that fun. And so, um, I would like to bring that into my life so I can do that more and play for me. That would be playful. For me, it's joyful to have an Epsom salt bath and listen to someone I find inspiring. I find that very joyful to really relax. That does feel like I'm optimizing a bit because I'm getting the Epsom salts and that's very good for me. So, um, <laughs> that sort of satisfies me in that way. And so, um, like really notice where you can, where you can cultivate joy for yourself, where you can resource yourself so that you have capacity for your, for your life and that you have capacity to look at things. I find it joyful to go, um, for a picnic with my family. When we're all outside, we're all very much better regulated. And, um, I find that very joyful because I can be in nature. I can dart off for like a 20 minute walk and leave my husband looking after my kids. And so it feels like I'm also getting my needs met. I like going swimming with my children, actually. Um, even in the pool, the small pool, which is kind of boiling. I bounce continuously and that makes me feel joyful, you know, as, as they're swimming next to me. So I think that especially in, as mothers, we have to be incredibly creative about the ways in which we can cultivate joy for ourselves. Even in the everyday, I find having a hot cup of tea really joyful. I find looking in my children's eyes, you know, connecting with them, singing with them can be really joyful, dancing with them. Notice how you can get some, some joy into your life, how you can be, um, titrating all your experiences. Actually, you don't have to, um, you know, some of the news, um, at the moment is kind of stressful and lots of stuff is going on in the world. You don't need to immerse yourself in that. If you feel really that you need to be watching the news or, um, kind of consuming everything, question yourself about why you feel you need to do that. Do you feel more virtuous if you're really up to date with the news? Does that add value to you? Um, can you titrate into the news in small amounts? If you feel that it's really important for you, can you give yourself five minutes to read something? Can you not watch the news? Like really ponder where you're putting your focus and things that are difficult, particularly use this concept of titration, dip in and out of something in small. Imagine you're having the small bite because we really want to be building resilience. We need resilience on our own journeys of growing ourselves up. Because when we haven't had our needs met, we typically go into adulthood with a set of fairly immature coping strategies. And um, 
we we need to develop resilience so for example perfectionism is is a is a childlike coping strategy um and and i am a recovering perfectionist and i still really want to use perfectionism in some cases but really acknowledging that you can't get things perfect and soothing myself around that that is part of growing up but we need resilience around that we need resilience to be able to support ourselves through our tricky times we need resilience to be able to um give us a pause when we are being called to react to something. So cultivating our resilience um, is a really, really important part of this journey. And I, I want you to kind of consider how you can do that for yourself by bringing in a bit more joy. So I hope this has given you a little bit of food for thought and that it's kind of gently enriched you today. I'm sending you a lot of love, love and light for, for a good week for you. Take care. been listening to Grow Yourself Up, hosted by Kath Cunahan. We'll be back next week with a new episode supporting you to better understand and tend to yourself for more heart-centered, connected, authentic, and resilient living.